0: Greetings, earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. It's
1: Friday in the studio again.
0: Another great Friday with um a lot to talk about this week. This is been a pretty big basketball week it has been a
1: big week it has been a big week and I've been looking forward to this for well since last Friday in the studio
0: yeah I know and we talked about it we're like all right we're gonna wait a wait some time to see if any news breaks and luckily we were right
1: and you know what else (laughs) on that note before we even dive into this this agenda we've got going I want to introduce a new segment that I'm sure will be recurring because I mean just by per the nature of it well it'll be back
0: yeah Uh, we also throw out a lot of things
1: we're gonna call it we're So these are direct quotes from, in this case, unfortunately, both quotes are from Tristan Newman. I had nothing to to contribute. But uh, in light of the Kyrie Irving trade this week, uh, direct quotes from Tristan Newman, and you can fact check me here. I made sure they're word for word. I don't really think he, referring to Danny Ainge, I don't really think he wants to re-sign Thomas to a five-year deal. Hmm. That came to hold some truth here this week, didn't it?
0: Uh, It definitely did, it definitely did, but I think, you know, the player that they got in return is also a huge part of that as well. And we'll get there.
1: Yep. And on that same note, shortly following that direct quote, another direct quote from Tristan Newman, I think they're trying to trade for a superstar, and the only superstar that I see fits them is Kyrie Irving.
0: So let's dive into it. So we told you so, hey. We we did tell you so. Well,
1: Tristan told you so. Listen to him.
0: (laughs) It, It. We throw out a lot of things out there, and we're going to be right some part of the time, and I'm glad we were right about this one.
1: And I'm going to keep setting you up to throw out smart things, all right?
0: Uh, All right. So,
1: let's get right into it. Let's not mess around, dance around the big event of this last week. There are a few things that were pretty fun, but this one by far takes the cake. Yep. Kyrie Irving was traded to Boston. He was the only trade piece on the side of the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for... Notably, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and I'd never heard of this
0: guy, Ante Zizic. Apparently, he was like the Croatian League player, young player of the year, which Dario Saric already won. Okay. So, at least there's some pedigree of these guys doing well in the NBA.
1: And on top of all of that, uh, unprotected 2018 first from the Brooklyn Nets, which the way they're looking, we kind of we talked about their roster last week. They'll probably be looking at somewhere in the seven-ish range.
0: They'll definitely be top seven for sure, um, and are probably an injury away from being yeah being top three. I would
1: say yeah. I would say most likely that pick ranges anywhere from two to seven. Yeah, would be my best bet.
0: Yeah that's that's probably a good call. And yeah. honestly, there's so many bad teams in the league this year. It's like there's no middle ground anymore. It's either you're really yeah. good or you're really bad. And well,
1: so, I mean, that's and that's an interesting point you bring up too and and something that I think we've alluded to at points but haven't had a direct conversation about it in a while. The league that the Warriors and the Cavs have created is this it's very bipolar, which is a little bit ironic. It it just it fits the current climate of our country. <laughs> it's a, it's a very it's a very polar league yeah you're either making moves to be one of the best teams in the league or you're just you're tanking you're yeah. building for later you're waiting you're biding your time
0: i think you know giving the warriors and the Cavs credit for this is a little much i think it definitely goes out to my boy sam hinkey the man the myth, the legend yeah really cool. just really just showing that nba fans are fine with tanking as mm-hmm. long as you have a plan yep Like, the thing most general managers and owners were afraid of before, you know, the Sixers tried this out was, like, if we tank for three or four years, we're going to lose all our fans and they're not going to come back. And I know Philadelphia is a relatively large market, so they could try to withstand some of this. But, I mean, the Philly fans are pumped up about what they have right now, and they're excited to be able to watch a basketball team that has promise. And, you know, has shades of a team we'll talk about later in the show that, you know, a lot of promise, a lot of young upside, and hopefully they can put it together.
1: Yeah, and and you're totally right in that Sam Hinky, I think, showed the league that the other side of the spectrum has a lot of upside, especially uh, coming into this year. At least, at least it, that's how it's looking at the moment.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the worst thing you can be is another team we're going to talk about, which is the Orlando Magic, which mm. has no plan. They don't know what they're doing. Fans don't know what they're doing, and they're just middling around, so... But let's talk about the trade for sure. Let's yeah, get, let's you're, right. Into you're it. right.
1: Let's get back to it. So a few questions coming out of that trade. Um, I, I have mixed feelings. I'm curious to see what you have to say. Who
0: do you think won the trade? Um, for this season, I think Cleveland won the trade. Assuming LeBron James goes to L.A. or some team on the West Coast, Boston won the trade in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that Brooklyn unprotected first round pick. I mean, if that turns into the number a top 3 pick, that's huge. This is a very top heavy draft. Yep. That's big time, but who are we looking at just just to kind of give substance to that that claim? Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic uh uh-huh. foreign born player. He's like 18 right now just putting up numbers which advanced metrics which as we said on the show before, we don't really know what they do, but we just like to use them. Um, advanced metrics say he's supposed to be unbelievable. In three or four years, the nerds are shitting their pants. And then Marvin Bagley, he <laughs> he reclassified to the 2018 class, uh-huh. and he's supposed to be a stud. So uh-huh. Zion um,
1: Williamson too is in that draft. Is he not? Or is he the year? No, after? He, he graduates high school. The in year after. Yeah, gotcha.
0: Yeah, year after. So um, you know that's a, it's a top heavy draft. There's a couple bigs um, that also seem to have a lot of hype around them. So the Cleveland, Cleveland has a shot at getting you know a really solid foundational piece after this, but that's. Getting a piece like that still puts them. He's three, four years away from being a superstar um, on most, on almost every timeline. Mm-hmm. So I think for the future, Boston. If LeBron leaves, I mean, the Eastern Conference is devastated. You have, Ky- I mean, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, another year older. You have the Wizards who are going to be, you know, they yep. have their nucleus locked up, so they're going to mm-hmm. be good again. But I mean, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, I mean, Jason Tatum. They 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 look they look primed to be kind of the the leaders of the East, if LeBron leaves for the foreseeable future. Um, so I think they set themselves up really well for after the season and for the season as well. But I think Cleveland getting Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and that deal to players that could actually help them right now, and Ante Zizic, who they can if he can give them t- ten solid minutes as a center position, that's a good acquisition as well. So. Um, I think I'm I'm splitting it. I'm being very middle of the road, but I I do think that's the way it breaks down. And I think it also helps Cleveland have hopes of maintaining, retaining LeBron James in free agency. Yeah. However, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you're spot on in that. I think that long term, even if just on the two, three, four year time frame, I think Boston is sitting a little bit better. Um, but largely due to the outstanding circumstance of LeBron James likely leaving Cleveland. That said, I was actually a little bit frustrated because it's it's such an even trade. like It's a more even trade for sure that we've seen, the most even trade we've seen this year for sure. Um, but I was a little bit upset because it's so even that it's kind of hard to take a side. It's, it's hard to like make an argument for one side of that trade and throw it at the other side.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless you're on a show like first take where you have to take a side <laughs> and be like, no, this team won the trade, no, yeah. this team won the trade. You know, it's hard it was, to it, do. Yeah, it, it's a rock. rock yeah. so it was a rock solid trade for both sides, and I understand why it was made, and I don't feel like any team gave up too much. I think honestly, Boston would have rather gave given up this pick than they would have rather given up the LA combo with the Kings pick that they're getting from the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if you don't know, that's if the Sixers. If the Sixers pick that they're getting from the Lakers falls between two and five, Boston gets it. If not, they get the unprotected Kings pick the year after that. So that'd be the twenty nineteen Kings pick. And everyone knows the Kings are terrible. They're gonna be terrible for foreseeable future. That'll be a top five. Top five picking team in twenty after the fall of the twenty nineteen season as well. So I think they valued that pick, that like option pick higher than they valued this Brooklyn pick. So um, I think both seed both sides gave up. This is the first time we've had, like, a fair trade for a superstar in a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, um, And we talked about this a lot last week, actually. Uh, Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman's dilemma of only having one more guaranteed year with LeBron James and trying to balance the, the position they're in in getting a short-term benefit in trying to help LeBron James bring one more title to the city before he likely leaves – And not being totally ravaged when he does likely leave. And we didn't really think it was possible. We were like, you know, this is we're gonna drink for Dan Gilbert. This is a tough place for them to be. That it really couldn't have gone any better for them. Yeah, this is the
0: this this is the best trade. Kobe Altman, way to start off your your tenure. Yeah, you 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 nailed this one. You had the you had the balls to go to the team you beat in the Eastern Conference Finals and say, hey, Let's make a deal, which rarely ever happens. So. Yeah,
1: this is almost unprecedented.
0: Yeah, it's it's completely unprecedented, um, and they did a good job with it. I I thought Boston had the best assets to give. I didn't think they'd actually pull a trigger on the trade, but, you know, we'll see. I'm sure they end up meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals again, and we could see Kyrie try to, you know, carry the Celtics to the NBA Finals and LeBron basically revenge, revenge fucking Kyrie Irving for the entire <laughs> series. So I think— uh...
1: I think rivalries are largely rooted in loyalty, and in a sports world where loyalty is kind of hard to find, the Cavs and Celtics are pretty close to as close as you can come to finding a a pair of rivals. And I think that they are willing to trade with each other is a testament to the fact that there just really aren't rivals like the Warriors yeah. Cavs come to mind as a as a rivalry that's out there and even like Kevin Durant and LeBron James are out like if they see each other in public like, they're just chilling I mean just they're happy to hang
0: out yeah just because you're a rival with somebody on the court doesn't mean you can't hang out with them but, off but
1: the I court. don't think that went that way forever I think in the past I think if you were you know Celtics Lakers back in the day or you were like Jordan and the bad boy Pistons like I don't think they were stoked to see each other when
0: they were like out in public yeah but they were also just like Douchebags on the court, like yeah. you don't. You I mean, don't, a lot of things yeah. have changed. Yeah, you don't. You don't see that like, like I wouldn't be friends with somebody who every time I drove into the lane is putting a forearm shiver into my chest. But like LeBron James isn't doing that. That's just not in the league anymore. Yeah. LeBron James is just, he's just playing basketball. Kevin Durant's just playing basketball. Yeah, and you know they go at each other, but it's like there's there's nothing that's personal being tossed across across lines. Like mm-hmm. no, if, now if Kevin Durant started launching, no. I don't know disses at LeBron James over a uh, over a yeah. diss track, which I would love to see. I would listen to that all the time. Yeah. Um, then it would be different. Then I wouldn't see them being friends. But I don't think I don't think team rivalries has to has to definitively transfer over into individual rivalries.
1: Yeah, I mean we're now well into the AAU era where everybody's kind of buddy buddy, and it's pretty hard to find uh, a pair of players that really have that much distaste for each other anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not nearly as present league as it used to be. Yeah, I mean,
0: they're it, it's it's a changing league, but they're also people, and yeah. like you can't you can't force someone to hate someone. Also, like
1: I mean, don't... Kyrie left LeBron, so yeah. like kind of similar in 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 a, I mean, obviously not identical, but similar in the sense that two superstars are paired up on a team. Yeah, similar to Shaq leaving Kobe back in the day, mm-hmm. and Shaq follows that move up with. Uh, freestyling in a bar. Hey, Kobe, tell me how my ass tastes. Like, I
0: don't think Kyrie's going to go out to a club and start doing that. Yeah, well, Shaq also won a title the next year, so yeah. there are some comeuppance there.
1: Which brings me to my next question for you.
0: Who's the favorite in the East? This is a stupid question, even though I wrote it, because it's LeBron James. <laughs> it is. It's not even, it's not even the Cavs. It's, it LeBron, it's LeBron James. You throw LeBron James on 10 teams in, you throw LeBron James on the top ten teams in the East, and they all become the favorite. I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna put them on Brooklyn and say mm-hmm. they become the favorite. That's a little much. I'm not gonna put them on Chicago because they're god awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna put them on. I mean, may I think I think if you put them on Charlotte right now, they could they become the favorite in the East. Mm-hmm. He's just that good. And until someone beats him, you can't say anyone else is the favorite. It's just not. It doesn't make sense too.
1: So. I, I agree with you i think that cleveland maintains the top spot in the east i think they're still the favorites um and they may show signs of of some struggles uh internally come middle of the season as they kind of typically do like this last year they came into the playoffs as a second seed to toronto and that didn't matter or sorry to boston yeah it, boston. Yeah, it, didn't, yeah, matter yeah. it matter. didn't matter one bit didn't matter one bit it doesn't, doesn't bit. matter uh i am of the belief that the Celtics definitely got better. I mean, they so they made a few moves this summer. Obviously, they picked up Jason Tatum. They drafted Jason Tatum, sorry. They picked up Gordon Hayward. Yep. So those were two strong moves on their part. Now they've picked up Kyrie Irving. I think their squad is looking much more dangerous than it did this last year. Would you agree?
0: Oh, for sure. The one thing I will say is that they did lose. I mean, they lost Isaiah Thomas in the trade. Yep. They lost Jay Crowder, who played big-time minutes and was a good defender. Mm-hmm. Expecting Jalen Brown the to- step right into that role is a little yeah. much he's not as polished of a shooter and he's not as, polished I mean, as he's, a he's coming
1: into his own yeah he's but still
0: no own. but it, he's you're still still a downgrade still a downgrade from yeah. jay crowder to Jalen brown at least in his second year in the league mm-hmm. i'm not saying for the future it is and then you also lost avery bradley who i think was a huge contributor yep um i think they you know they traded they got they got really long they got really really long this summer so they're gonna be really good um brad stevens the coach is awesome they definitely got better, and I think it's not going to be a four-one series where the Celtics only won a game because the Cavs seem to get bored after being up twenty points. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely going to be. I think it's. I think it's unreal. I think it's, it's going to be like a six-game series in the Eastern Conference Finals, barring injuries on either side. And mm-hmm. you know, I believe it'll be closer. But as far as beating Golden State, I don't think Golden State is even worried right now. I don't. I don't think they care. I, so,
1: so that was, that was my follow-up there. Um, I definitely think the Celtics squad got better. Do you think? that the Cavalier squad got better or do you think this
0: was a step back for them I think I think they got better I mean so both teams got better here yeah Kyrie, Kyrie, yeah I mean Boston True, true Bo- testament to a good trade Bo- Boston got better because of the moves they also made I think yep. they if this is the only trade they, the only thing they did this summer they would not have gotten better Without without adding Gordon Hayward I don't think losing Avery Bradley trading Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving and losing Jay Crowder makes them a better team
1: Okay yeah I hadn't thought about that but uh, I will. I I'll stand by that. I'll stand by that right now. I mean,
0: Isaiah Thomas was unbelievable last yep. year, and it's it's, it's it's hard to assume that he's going to be the same player because that was a career year for him. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie Irving still hasn't had that like chance to have a career year where he's taking he's he's got the ball in his hand seventy five percent of the time.
1: Yeah, and I think um, you alluded to that a little bit last week when you were saying that you don't think that Boston wants to sign Isaiah to a five year contract. I think that his peak, and it sounds like you think the same thing that his peak is probably going to be short lived. And that was a career year. He might yeah. have a couple more, but. Definitely not five.
0: Yeah, he's he I think. I, I think he should be rock solid this year, yep. close to what he was doing um, last year. And I just think it's going to be easier for him. He's got LeBron James on his team that makes scoring a lot easier when someone else is taking all the attention off you. Yeah. And I think he can do a lot of the things Kyrie did. I mean, he's not. I mean, no one's the finisher Kyrie is. That's just no one's as flashy as Kyrie is. But he was. Mm-hmm. He got to the rim and he finished off And he's a he's a good off the ball three point shooter. And now instead of being the main source of p- penetration, if he's the second, getting the kick out and then getting the drive, I think he'll be even more lethal. And I don't think it was like Isaiah Thomas is really bad at defense, but Kyrie Irving was no – was, yeah. he wasn't Gary Payton. So right. it's not its not that much of a step down. Right. And then I think the addition of Jay Crowder is huge for them. Yeah. I mean, their their backup forward was Richard Jefferson. While I love Richard Jefferson, he's been solid. Jay Crowder, he's, he's younger, he's better right now than Richard Jefferson. So that's a huge step up. They can now play a better lineup where they have Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. J.R. Smith, Jay Crowder, LeBron at the four, which is a great small ball lineup, and Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love or whoever you want. Yeah,
1: they have they do have a pretty scary small ball lineup at this yeah.
0: point. Yeah, I think I think it, it'll help them match up better with Golden State, but I still think Golden State. I mean, it's not even a question. Golden State's the clear favorite unless something goes wrong.
1: I like I like though that. There is at least uh, an essence of hope that they have improved their squad, that that their chances of facing the juggernaut of Golden State have improved. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Yeah, that makes me happy. That makes me excited for this year. I want. So we talked a little bit about this last week. Like, do we need the regular season? We know it's just going to come down to Cavs Warriors. I want it. Yeah. The Warriors know what they're doing. They jive together well. I want time for this Cavs team to really assimilate to like get to know each other well, and build that chemistry they're going to need to take on that juggernaut in the in the West.
0: Yeah, and I think going with that, a lot of the moves that were made this summer makes, you know, the regular season way more exciting this year. And I think it's I'm very excited to see how this goes. I mean there are a lot of trades this summer, so it's going to be very interesting in the regular season.
1: Okay. Okay. You wanna move on? Yeah, let's move on. I'm ready to move on. Let's move on. I'm going to ask you to set up a little ranking for me and I hope to disagree because it's fun.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: We're going to rank some of the top trades, the biggest trades of this this summer, all right? So I'm going to give you four (laughs) options. You're going to rank these one through four, one being the best trade for, we'll say, I'll give you one team on this, I'll give you one side of the trade. You'll see, you'll, you'll tell me who you think benefited the most from these trades. Minnesota sends to Chicago, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and a seventh pick in the 2017 draft. That is Laurie Markkinen. Yeah.
0: God, the Bulls are stupid.
1: Okay, yeah. So that's what Chicago got. We're talking from the end of Minnesota. Okay. They picked up Jimmy Butler. All Just right. leave it at that. Minnesota at that. got Jimmy Butler. And they lost Zach Levine, Chris Dunn and uh, their same pick. A, b- right. a bag what? of basketballs. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh from the perspective of Oklahoma City, they sent Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabanas, they picked up Paul George. Um,
0: Bag of glow-in-the-dark basketballs. (laughs) Fair enough. Look flashy, not that useful. Uh, Brooklyn
1: sends to L.A. Brooke Lopez, the 27th pick, Kyle Kuzma, and they receive D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov. I think it's fair to say that we can just throw that at four at this point. It's pretty inconsequential compared to the other three. And finally, the Kyrie Irving trade from the perspective of the Celtics. Okay, yep. so we're talking from the perspective of the Wolves, the Thunder. The well, honestly, the the Brooklyn. Do we?
0: Bro- Brooklyn. Can we just Brooklyn. write that
1: from the fine, from the side of Brooklyn, and uh, from the side of the Celtics?
0: All right, um, I'm actually going to put the Celtics four just because of really? what just because of what they gave they gave up a lot, you know. I think it positions them great greatly, but I don't think they I don't think they had the same leap that these other teams had. So
1: which makes my next so, point. I'm putting okay, Brooklyn all 3. Right.
0: I'm putting Brooklyn 3.
1: So all right. So th- that rem- this reminds me a little bit of the MVP debate in how much do you take into account winning in the case of voting for an MVP candidate. So Maybe Brooklyn benefits more; they jump more spots in the the Eastern Conference rankings or the, the league-wide rankings. But the oh gosh, oh the, this bothers me a lot. So, but the but the Celtics definitely benefit more. Uh, it, it's a more consequential improvement.
0: Well, what the way I'm as looking, far as like the league dynamics go? No, no. The way I'm looking at it is not improvement. I'm saying, did you win your trade? Who won their trade? The most. So, because the Kyrie trade was a fair trade. Yeah, they 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 didn't win. It was a great trade for them. They didn't win their trade. Ugh. Brooklyn, you have so, to understand. Okay, so, bro- so so
1: hold on, hold on. The question is, I'm going to restate the question for you. Which team improved the most with their trade? You're going to tell me that Brooklyn improved more than the Celtics.
0: and you know. we, We're talking about with just the trade. I made this point earlier okay. in the show. I said, I think if you just look at the trade, if you just look at Boston's offseason, let's say they, they lose Avery Bradley, they lose Kelly Olenek, they add Marcus Marcus Morris, and they lose Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas. Uh-huh. And this is true. They plan on playing this year a little bit. But they got Kyrie Irving. If you look mm-hmm. at that offseason as a whole, not including Gordon Hayward, we're just talking about the trade.
1: Well, the other trade was not. That's we're not talking about the other trade.
0: What are you talking about? So we're not we're not talking about Avery Bradley. That was that was free agency. They were losing. They lost him in free agency. Uh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah. I mean. So actually, that was a trade for Marcus Morris, you're right? So yeah. Discount, the Marcus just, Morris part just, was just, yeah. yeah. discount count that. But um, I just think when you look at Brooklyn, they literally had no hope. So you're interpreting this question as the most one-sided trade. Who, no, who, I said who, who, who got better, who decidedly got better from their okay. trade the most. All right, all right, all right. I think this was the even swap between the Cavs and the Celtics. I, I truly think it was an even swap. Mm-hmm. While Brooklyn, I think they traded their cap space to get a young player who has hope of being a superstar when they literally had no hope previously. They didn't have their first pick in the draft. They didn't have their first round pick. They had zero hope. They basically got a first-round pick this year in the form of D'Angelo Russell, who's already had two years in the league. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go with Oklahoma City. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Just because Russell Westbrook – I mean, sorry, yes, I'm going to go Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook had no one to pass the ball to really at at all. You know, they gave up two guys who kind of contributed to their season at least a little bit. And – Getting Paul George, someone who Russell actually trusts and respects, is huge for him. Huge for his confidence, huge for how he's gonna play with the team, huge for what he's gonna do um, next year and the way they're gonna be able to play. And then after that I have I have the T Wolves because they gave up Chris Dunn, who barely played at all. I mean, literally was useless. <laughs> and they added and they gave up Zach Levine, who missed half the season with the torn ACL. And they added Jimmy Butler, a top fifteen player in the league. Like when, you, when they got so, they got so much better and gave up nothing, so that's how I rank them. I think Minnesota got had the biggest improvement, then Oklahoma City, then the Nets, and then the Celtics. Just because I think it was a very very even trade, they they traded a lot and they got a lot back. Okay, all right. All right. What, what do you think? You so, said you want to disagree. Let's go. I,
1: I do, and and I do disagree. You're. Uh... The latter end of your rankings left a bit of a bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth, and it's not the citrus beer. Uh, man, so I think I didn't realize the extent to which this question kind of is open to interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. So it's read like, verbatim as which team improved the most with their trade. But it's hard for me to remove the value from – the extent to which, like, the consequence of it, the consequence of the improvement, like how much it changes the landscape of the NBA, how much the league is affected by these changes, which is why it really pains me to put the Brooklyn trade, which I want to just write off immediately, above what I had a hard time. I Man, we just approached this question very differently. To put the Kyrie Irving trade last. Hurts me personally. You don't have I to. don't know. You don't I think have maybe to. I just care about these players so yeah. much more yeah. than I care about anybody I, I, on Brooklyn's I, roster.
0: Besides maybe Jeremy Lynn. Yeah. I love that man. Yeah. <laughs> Stanford of the East. I mean, what the thing is, the thing that's hard to look at is, it's hard to say. You saw Kyrie Irving do all these amazing things in the finals. You saw him
1: yeah. do. Oh, I mean, yeah.
0: his amazing play. But we didn't. I didn't watch that many Celtics games. Isaiah Thomas was doing very similar things. Maybe not as flashy. Maybe not as fun to watch. I mean, for Celtics fans, it's amazing. But they were doing very similar things, and I think at least in the short term. Now, can we foreshadow what Kyrie's going to be in the future? We can try to project it. We don't know. Uh-huh. Can we say what Isaiah Thomas is going so. to erode to as he gets older? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you base it off last season, they were pretty comparable players. Their stats were very comparable, I think, per 36. And it's not – It's. The name Kyrie is way sexier when you think basketball terms. Right, terms. and it shows the, the trade. If then you're then looking the name at, Isaiah, like, yeah. per
1: 36 and saying that they're comparable, no. the Celtics definitely gave up a
0: whole lot more if, yeah.
1: if you're just running yeah. on that yeah. that basis. But it's also his age. It's
0: also the things right. he's going to give you in the future that you don't think right. Isaiah was going to give you. But I'm talking about who How got, old is Isaiah? Got,
1: 28,
0: 29? is going to be... He's turning 30 this season, I believe. Or he's turning 29 this season.
1: They were the same draft. It's crazy he's that much yeah, older than him.
0: I know. It's crazy. Fun. I mean, fun fact, and...
1: I don't, if anybody's listening, <laughs> who <laughs> like, cares? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you may or may not know this already, but Kyrie was the first pick, of the 2011 draft, and Isaiah Thomas was the last pick of the 2011 draft. Crazy they Fun were traded. traded yeah. they,
0: crazy they were traded for each other.
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. But hey. Huh.
0: All right. So what are your rankings? Give yeah, them them to me. You know, let's I'm get like...
1: back to it. Uh, I'm okay. I'm gonna start from the top. You worked your way bottom up. I'm gonna work my way top down. All right. I'm going to agree with you in that I think that Minnesota got the best of their trade by far. I think that Jimmy Butler is, what would
0: you say, top 15 player for sure? Top 15 player for sure, in my my mind. And he adds veteran leadership to a team that had none.
1: He's probably, he's a top 10 two-way player, I'd say.
0: Yes, yes, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Top 10 two-way player, which is huge and is, especially for uh, a young Minnesota core that is starting to prove themselves as dangerous, they're a, a squad that last year this time we were thinking, you know, these guys are coming of age, they're bringing in a young Carl Anthony Towns. Zach Levine is kind of showing up. We showed his athleticism last year. <clears throat> uh, Ricky Robio might, like, come back and, like, figure his shit out. But anyway, they go from an already pretty scary lineup, Some uh, a, a team that people were giving a lot of credit to before they had earned it. And then they added a superstar. So I I, I think that was massive for them. They're going to be a fun team to watch this year. I'm going to throw them at the top. I'm... I don't want to be biased here. And I also want to disagree with you more. But I also agree in the OKC trade. I think I, I thought about throwing them one, but... I mean, Tom Thibodeau absolutely robbed the Bulls. That he he earned number one. Why'd I, they
0: give? Why'd the Bulls just, give them their sixteenth pick in the draft? That dude, makes no sense. Dude, they I, didn't like, need to do that.
1: I think I think like Jordan Belfort sold that trade. Like <laughs> somebody with an insane amount of leeway. Like somebody who could sell a pen. You know?
0: Yeah, that is that is that is a good. So, call sell out, yeah. me this pen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, mean, so
0: you couldn't sell me this trade ever. <laughs> I think the bulls handed this to him.
1: I think the bulls handed him this like prospect yeah. of like sell yeah. me this trade. Yeah. If you do it, I'll do it.
0: Yeah. I love looking and at trade. It, it's hard Jordan. to it's hard to assess what a trade's gonna look like five years from now, but I'm gonna hate this trade five years from now. I'm gonna hate this trade fifteen years from now because yeah. it was such a fucking terrible trade. We're
1: gonna talk about a trade later that at the time, seemed one-sided, and five years later, seemed ridiculous. It's just but, stupid. But we'll get there. This oh, yeah. this trade already seems ridiculous. It can, yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like we can already put it in the books is just stupid, one-sided. Yeah. Jordan Breffler was definitely involved. <laughs> there was some con. Uh, I I I refuse. I refuse one hundred percent to put Brooklyn ahead of the Celtics trade. I think.
0: All right, so Celtics are three for you.
1: I and I also so. I have a ton of respect for Isaiah Thomas, Uh, like especially – so I don't want to root my respect for him as a basketball player in kind of an emotional point, but him playing two days after his sister died and putting up 53 in a playoff game?
0: Unreal, unreal.
1: First of all, 10 points short of the playoff record that stands to this day, 63 by MJ back in I don't remember what year. I wish I had I a stats yeah, guy running yeah. the studio, but we're running the studio while we're talking, Yeah, so we don't have that luxury. Isaiah puts on one of the best playoff performances ever, two days after his sister died. that is just unfathomable for me how somebody could do that. So just on that note, stupid amount of respect for Isaiah Thomas. However, as a player, I'm concerned about his value going forward. Of course, of course. So I think that Danny Ainge getting rid of Isaiah Thomas, and this is something that we've talked about mostly in private, a little bit on air. But if I were the Celtics, I would I would have been I would not have signed him to the deal at the end of this next year. Or he's got one year left? One year left, one yeah. One year left. One year left like five million I would not have been interested in was it the, the Brinkley truck? What's what's that truck? The Brinks, money Brinks truck. truck. Brink's truck. Brink's truck. Back in the I, Brink's truck to his Yeah. Isaiah Thomas was—he had said on Twitter like the Brinks truck is coming. Yeah. After this, after this year, I—I I don't want to drive the Brinks truck to his doorstep. I'm not interested. I think he's a short-term value player. He's—I don't—I don't think he can. He doesn't have the—the the stamina as far as like his game and his body goes, like LeBron James has shown. He's how old is he now? Thirty-two.
0: Yeah, LeBron's thirty-two.
1: Okay. So. LeBron's 3 years older than Isaiah, but I would say his next 3 or 4 years show much more consistency. Uh, if we're going to say that LeBron's going to decline, which the man's an alien, so yeah, we really I don't mean, even know. You know,
0: I think we're just we're basing human expectations on someone who's a god, I so think, it's yeah, hard to it's, do. I think it
1: it really is, but yeah. I think LeBron's trend line is going to be miles better than Isaiah's trend line and they had they were like both MVP candidates this year. Yeah. Anyway, back to the point. I think getting rid of Isaiah for the Celtics uh, from from Danny Ainge's strategy perspective was gigantic. I think that that was a big move for them long term and picking up somebody who, although in the same draft, is four years younger and is trending upwards or could be trending upwards. So from that perspective, even though they gave up Jay Crowder, who was a great role player for them, played great defense, shot... Fine from three point. What was he? What, what what would you guess he was from three point?
0: He was probably around thirty five percent, which is solid. It's solid. It's league it's average. Le- league average is around thirty six. I mean, it's yeah. valuable. Yeah, it's valuable. For, especially yeah. when he adds defense to
1: it. Right, right, right. So even though they gave up a few pieces, I think that that was a uh, as much of a win
0: as the Celtics could get. All right, and then Brooklyn four, we don't need to talk about that. I'm throwing Brooklyn <laughs> yeah, at four. We, I, we don't, don't need, I don't want yeah, to talk. Yeah, we don't.
1: If for no reason other than to not talk about Brooklyn, I'm putting them at four. Yeah. All right. So, that's, that's, I, I agree that's with fair, you on fair. the large. Yeah. We're a yeah. 50-50 lineup. Yeah.
0: yeah, if you want to um, email us, email us at the fast break 3 at gmail.com if you guys want to put in your opinions on which trade you felt was, how would you rank these trades, and uh, who do you think won this debate? Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to move on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, over the over the weekend, over the beginning of the week, the Pacers are lob, lobbying accusations that Magic Johnson, shockingly enough, tampered with Paul George and caused him to say he wants to be a Laker next season and caused, you know, everything that happened with the Pacers and the OKC trade. I'm just going to go, just going to take a trip down memory lane. Let's look at the past four big free agent signings and... Do you think there was any tampering in these? Because apparently there's a lot of people saying that tampering's been going on forever. This is ridiculous. I think, I think we, we can assess these and kind of tell if there was definitely tampering or not. The definition of tampering, for those of you guys who don't know, we just looked this up recently. Tampering is when a player or team directly or indirectly entices, induces, or persuades anybody, player, general manager, etc., who is under contract with another team in order to negotiate for their services. They may impose suspensions and/or fines if tampering is discovered, and that's kind of that's kind of the gist of it. But
1: so the kind of the the news headline that has brought this specific topic—the only reason we'd be reading like actual CBA quotes—is that the Pacers have filed accusations against Magic Johnson in that he tampered with the Paul George trade.
0: Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, I could easily see Magic doing this. I'm not sure if they'll be able to prove it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's It's so ambiguous in the day and age of social media. Players can talk to players. And unless there is – so just just to be clear and and post-reading that definition, unless a GM, an owner, somebody that is an executive on the team, a coach, whatever, has deliberately expressed to a player on their team that – they should reach out. They should say this and that and whatever and, like, recruit this other player. Unless that somebody told them to, they can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want to another player.
0: Yeah, and also you have to have proof. Like, they're not wiretapping NBA GMs. Right. Like, this isn't The Departed. Like, it's going to be hard to prove this. <laughs> it's going to be hard to prove this at any time. Like, it's just uh, not possible. What a flick. Great, great movie. Great, great fucking movie. Great
1: movie. movie. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm of the same opinion. It's 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 literally, I think, at this point, impossible to prove what and what is not tampering when the players have conversations, especially during the off season, but like even year round, on how the landscape could change. Like if you came and played with me, like what, like Draymond, texted Kevin Durant in the off season when he was a free agent, like what what do you say? Like like we We, need you, you. make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Come play for the Golden State Warriors. That's not tampering if nobody told him to do it. Yeah. I mean, and Draymond, as long
0: as he's acting on his own volition, that's 100% legal. For sure. I mean, it's the truth of the matter. And
1: Which is why the CBA is just like this the, the tampering rules in the CBA are ridiculous. Pointless. Like, ridiculous. When that can happen, there's just absolutely no way of monitoring it. When the most effective way to tamper is player to player and you can't say anything about player to player tampering, then it's, it's ridiculous. Just get rid yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, for, for sure, for but sure. But
1: in light of the topic at hand, I want to throw a few moves of recent years at you, and, and I, want, I want your take on, on how the extent to which tampering played a role. just kind of what happened, all right? Ready? hmm So Gordon Hayward goes to Boston. We know, you and I know, yep. the users are about to know, that Gordon Hayward played a butler under head coach Brad Stevens. Brad <laughs> Stevens, current coach. Of the Boston Celtics, who has proven effective at the NBA level, what, what's your take? Tampering or no tampering?
0: Um, there's definitely a, a version of tampering. Isaiah Thomas was sending okay. a whole bunch of Shamrock tweets, but I think the real tampering was, you know, Gordon Hayward's in Mormon Country. What 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 fits better with Mormon Country than setting kind of an edible arrangement, a fruit a fruit plate, oh if gosh. you will? <laughs> Got a lot. Got some mangoes, what, so some Brad, pineapples.
1: Brad Brad Stevens sent a an
0: plate? Innocu- Brad Stevens sent an innocuous, you know, fruit arrangement to the Hayward's house and just said, Hey, we'd love to get dinner with you. We should probably meet up in like December, January, February. If you don't know, that's during the NBA season. <laughs> no no official offer on the table, but he probably sent like four or five of these in the span of two weeks before free agency started. Like there was just so much fruit in the Hayward household. Uh-huh. They were just getting annoyed at this point. They're like, why the fuck does he keep sending us all this fruit? Yeah. We don't and even after, want it.
1: After, like, the second or third, uh, uh, Gordon and his his incredibly attractive wife are of probably course. just of, getting, of like, course. potato baskets at that point. Just, like, throwing the Irish <laughs> hint in there, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, potato I, baskets full of shamrocks and, I don't yeah. know, lucky charms.
0: Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe even sending them, like, like Boston postcards every once in a while with, like, nicely written notes that don't include swear words or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know? Because, I mean, that, that I, I 100% Gordon... Gordon Hayward would receive something from Brad Stevens, maybe like
1: a like a signed Larry Bird rookie card or something. <laughs>
0: so something ridiculous, it's something big, on the along see, the lines of that ridiculousness. So, Instead him like
1: a combo pack of like Larry Bird, John Havlicek, uh, shoot, who's uh, Cohen's Dave Cohen's?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. all the
1: great white players from the Boston Celtics. You forgot Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale, shoot, Ugh. shoot. See, yeah, I knew I was forgetting somebody, but it's all these like signed
0: rookie cards. Just like, <laughs> yeah, just 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 subtle hints. So is it tampering? No. Brad Stevens would never do that. Is it kind of tampering? Pro- probably yes. Brad Stevens is definitely sending sending hints. He, Brad Stevens. He's, he's a tease. He's that girl that, you know, hasn't like sent the official like, hey, what you doing at like 2 a.m. But she's been given winky face emojis oh, yeah. on like 2 p.m. text messages when you res- when you're just asking, like, what are you up to? Or you're asking, like, how was your day? She responds with like a nothing much winky face peach emoji.
1: Maybe, maybe not even like emojis. Maybe just there were like six Y's on the hay. Oh, like, oh of course, not, The not classic. explicit, classic. just like oh, my finger just stayed there for way yeah. too long.
0: Or, or the the classic over exclamation point every text that's sent. Right, like when it doesn't even make sense. I mean, that. I mean, that. That's what Brad Steven was doing. So, is it tampering? No, it's cross. It's getting close to the line, though. It's getting close to the line. Yeah, maybe not
1: explicit, but. You know they they have an established relationship, so there's nothing we can ignore, for sure. Uh, and and honestly, like in today's world, there doesn't have to be anything explicit when the rest of the world can do the tampering for them. They for sure. can be throwing these tweets around, and they're not affiliated with anybody. They can just be saying whatever they want on Twitter. And Gordon Hayward's gonna see it. Mm-hmm. He's gonna you know listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, who's a giant Boston fan. Like he's gonna be hearing that pitch from. Uh, a, a verified source, like somebody who knows what he's talking about as far as basketball goes. But anyway, we're gonna move on to the next next situation here. LeBron going back to Cleveland post Miami days,
0: tampering? Right. No, no tampering. Because LeBron just basically cucked Dan Gilbert. He just he just told Dan Gilbert, "I'm coming back. You do what you need to do to make it happen." And Dan Gilbert was just like, "All right, LeBron, is there anything else you need?" Can, I need Morgan may, Freeman to read yeah, my letter. Yeah. May, <laughs> may, LeBron, may I have another? Can Can you bring D. Wade with you? And LeBron's yeah. like, no, I'm coming by myself. You have my fucking bed ready and my sheets clean, 700 thread count. I want 100% Egyptian cotton. 100%, 100% Egyptian cotton. And Dan Gilbert's like, all right, all right. So so everything's, everything's under the bridge? Like, my letter didn't piss you off? No, my letter fucking—your letter fucking pissed me off. But I'm just going to let it slide this time. I'm going to bring a championship to Cleveland. I'm going to fucking bounce— because I fucking hate you, and I want to give you hope and then leave you there, stuck in Cleveland.
1: That was a very explicit o- uh, allusion to the problems that Dan Gilbert and LeBron James have had in their relationship. They're not, they're really not big fans of each other. Yeah,
0: not big fans of each other. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that was word for word, but if I saw that in the email chain, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, it expresses the, the very valid and reality of the emotion between their relationship. But anyway... All right. We're going to move on, all right? Okay. Next situation. Dwight Howard, when he was with the Lakers, signs with the Houston Rockets to play with James Harden. Tampering or no tampering? All
0: right, this is going to be an interesting take, but I'm pretty sure Kobe was just like making sure Dwight Howard didn't re-sign. The exact opposite of tampering. The exact opposite of tampering. tampering. I'm pretty sure it was like the Step Brothers movie where they're trying to sell the house and stepbrothers are wearing like a Nazi, a Nazi uniform, oh, <laughs> on on the gosh. front yard. Like like Dwight Howard shows up to his house and Kobe's got like graffiti on his wall. You better not fucking stay in LA. We need more Wolfie parallels <laughs> on the show. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, for for sure. Kobe's Kobe's sending like not death threats, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your life threats. Like this is another parallel in 2021, 20, 22 Jump Street. When Ice Cube is texting Jonah Hill, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, Doug. When he finds out that, <laughs> that Jonah Hill is having sex with his daughter, I'm going to fucking kill you, Doug. You better not sh- come back here, Doug. Kobe's sending those tame text messages and not using Dwight's real name so no one knows. Maybe it's an accident. Maybe it's like a drunk text. It's like, I hope you don't fucking show up to the Staples Center tomorrow, Dan. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Dwight. I didn't mean to send that to you, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. But if you fucking show up, you're not going to get the ball anymore, Drew. And yeah. just pissing Dwight off, uh-huh. and Dwight's like, I just can't deal with this anymore. I, I, I really can't. I have, <laughs> I have no other option.
1: Yeah, Kobe may or may not have sent like a like a kilo of cocaine to Lamar Odom's house. <laughs> like, you can only have this if you convince Dwight to leave. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think there's I a think little bit. Would, of, Yeah, that would explain several no. NBA storylines of years past. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't, I don't want to go too far down the cocaine. Oh, we, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to move on. More recent, most recent of the previous three, with the exception of the Gordon Hayward to Boston, Kevin Durant goes to Golden State. Tampering or no tampering? And we, we alluded to this a little bit, too, in the in the story that we told of Draymond Green reaching out to Kevin Durant in the offseason, being like, we need you make it happen. And again, if it's not on behalf of uh, franchise or organization leadership, uh, then it's it's not officially tampering. The players can say whatever they want to each other.
0: Yep, I I don't think I think this was clean just because Golden State, you know they they just know what to do. They're they're those they're the bad guy that doesn't make mistakes.
1: They've got their shit together. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they're, uh, yeah.
0: they're the guy that you know you know is doing shady shit, but you can't like in every in every movie imaginable. There's the bad guy who's doing everything wrong, but they're so good at it that you can't stop them.
1: They're like. Oh, you know what they're like. What are they like? Like Frank Underwood in House of Cards. Yeah,
0: yeah. You you know Frank's doing shady shit. And but he'll you can not tell it. you he did yeah, shady yeah, shit, but you yeah. won't be able to prove it. Yeah, you won't be able to prove it. Draymond won't be like, yeah, I recruited Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah, like and, I sent this and, yeah, text. Yeah,
0: yeah, I sent this fucking text. What are you gonna do about it? You can't you can't prove that Bob Meyer told me to send, told me to send this text. So it's <sighs> like, yeah, they they just, they're just so good at it, and it just pisses you off. But you keep watching because they're so fucking good at it. I mean, that's that's basically the plot of House of Cards right there.
1: Yeah. It really, in that moment, came to make sense to me the the extent to which Bill Simmons likes to make uh, pop culture and NBA parallels because the storylines really just have too much in common. Like Frank Underwood is the war; he's rising to the top, like he's made it. Yeah, yeah, he's... But- he did some shady shit on the way there.
0: Dude, and he, did shady, can say he did some shady it. shit on the way there. He did some shady shit to stay there. He's gonna continue <laughs> doing shady shit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it hurts people in his in his I organization. I only watched the first two seasons, so I don't You're know. do, you yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. I'm not gonna spoil the show for you, but the rise, <laughs> he continues to do some shady shit.
1: The rise was for fun. sure. The rise was fun. I only watched the rise once he was there. I was like, eh, you know, what? what how exciting can this be? But, anyways, that's actually where the Warriors are. They made it there. The rise yeah. was fun. They uh they Dude, snagged no, Kevin around the They line. had
0: the rise and they had a slight fall and then they're back in they're back in the. I don't know they, if that's a
1: part of the House of Cards. It does. It, it, line, yeah,
0: it, 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 yeah. It, I believe you.
1: I believe you. All, All right. right,
0: that was fun. That was that was good. I like that. that. was fun. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, tampering doesn't exist.
0: It's fake. It's it's fake. It's fake. You, you, unless you can't prove it, so it's fake.
1: Yeah. Uh. It's like uh. It's like the the sun's not really hot. We want
0: well, I, I, I can prove the sun is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, a, I'm. a huge nerd, so, so the sun is we, very hot.
1: A uh, little podcast crush. We love. Pardon my take, but god damn it! How like how many guests can they have on before somebody's gonna put in their face that the sun is hot? Like who who needs to tell them? Oh, space is cold. Like fucking. There's no like. There's not matter to hold on to any energy. There's no. There's nothing. There's no thing in the in between.
0: I'm just gonna cut you off right there. We're not gonna delve we're not into, gonna a, into We're it. not gonna dive into a one minute segment on why the sun is but actually hey. hot. People know the sun is hot.
1: But hey, big now, cat big cat PFT, have us on. We'll we'll have it out over this whole sun's hot.
0: Yeah, we're two Stanford deal. nerds and we'll have it we'll we'll have a three minute segment we on are. why the sun is hot. We are
1: you're much more witty than we are, but god damn it, we'll prove you wrong there. All right. Uh I wanna I wanna give a little tribute, hey? Yeah, we're, so. we're in the we're in the we're in the studio here. It's Friday in the studio, so we actually we, we, we between have... so between two shows we had this uh, Crown Royal Maple, and between the two shows that's gone. Yeah, it was delicious, sure. wasn't it? It was, it was big fantastic. fan, big fan, huge uh, fan. We've got some citrus beer here, but what are we eating? Hey, you want to tell the fans a little bit about what we're eating? Yeah,
0: it's our huge hand for our unofficial official sponsor of the show, Chick Fil A. Yeah, let them know. Oh, yeah. If you've ever had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you know what I'm talking about. Crispy chicken, buttery bun, and delicious waffle fries on the side. Chick-fil-A, you can't do no wrong. And that's why today you're our unofficial official sponsor of the show. If you have time, please make sure to head to the Chick-fil-A near you and enjoy everything they have to offer. And that was our unofficial official sponsor of the day.
1: Oh, and thank you, Barry White.
0: Oh, it, it you, you can't not have a Barry White. I mean, there are actually on
1: only, I think definitively, objectively, add more like add more words to that to to prove it. There are only two scenarios in which you make those noises. You're about to have sex, or you just took a bite of Chick Fil A. Huh?
0: Yeah, and I think taking a bite of Chick Fil A is when I make that noise the most. <laughs> I, 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 I think, that think that I make more that. About your lifestyle. I, I, I make that noise <laughs> the most and I'm having a bite of Chick Fil A. <laughs> All right, he's a quiet one. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Something that. All right.
1: But All right. definitively, uh, the, those are the only two times you make that noise. For sure. All right. We're gonna move on. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to skip the deep dive. Yeah. Don't say it. They didn't know We that, can that. cut that out. We're going to cut this out. All right.
0: We right, going to let's give a quick synopsis. We're going to deep dive on the Orlando Magic. We realize no one gives a fuck about the Orlando Magic. Yeah. People in Orlando, they're too busy at like SeaWorld, Disneyland, Universal to care about the Orlando <laughs> Magic. What we have to say is the Orlando Magic have no direction. They have a bunch of forwards who can't shoot, point guard who can't shoot. Oh,
1: yeah, Jonathan Simmons. I like that.
0: They had a good signing, but it still doesn't change the fact that they have no plan. They're trying to play like 80s ball in the 2010s. It just doesn't make sense. And they're going to be struggling. They have their own first-round draft pick, not many assets, not no cap space. And basically they're stuck with the team they have. They could try to make trades, Aaron Gordon. They just have a bunch of guys who it's like, wow, if they could develop a shot, they'd be really good role players. Don't have a superstar. And in the NBA, you need a superstar at least at least one. So, you're fucked. Enjoy the lottery. Hopefully, you can get that win the lottery, get the number one pick. But that's just looking forward to. I don't even think their game's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be low scoring. They score eighty points, the other team scores ninety five, one hundred points. Being an Orlando Magic fan is tough right now, and I don't think it's gonna get easier. Mm-hmm. If I was them, I'd rewatch clips of Penny Hardaway and Shaq destroying teams in the middle nineties.
1: Yeah, what ifs are fun. Yep. Speaking of what ifs, ooh, what perfect do you got? transition. We're gonna jump back into a recurring segment, the weekly. Sorry, um, future the the futures collect future collectors item of the week. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was tough. That was really tough. Uh, I've had a few beers and one. It's Friday in the studio. Friday in the studio. I, I, I it out so we well, sound sober. Yeah. Actually, I don't want to think. I don't want anything about that. I I am where I am and hello world.
0: I'll still edit it out.
1: Future Collector's Item of the Week. All right. We're running a poster of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook all strutting their stuff in the OKC blue and orange.
0: Great jersey. Great jersey. Great. It, is a, it is a good jersey. Solid jersey. Underrated
1: jersey. I like their Christmas jerseys a lot. The navy blue with the white and the thunder and cursive. Yes. I'll, I'm a big uh, fan uh, of those. Enjoy those. I so. love Christmas jerseys. Those are amongst my favorite.
0: That's a hot take. Yeah,
1: uh, thank you NBA for NBA Christmas. Always uh, a, a good way to to follow the stockings, hey.
0: Start the day, end the day. I, I mean, yeah. I, I... For our
1: young fans out there, it's becoming a Christmas tradition because it's it's uh, it's pretty established in my family at least. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we want to talk about this poster, which in fifteen years nobody's. I mean, it, it's going to be a forgotten era.
0: Yeah, no one's going to remember this what if, but it's the biggest what if of all. And what's of, astonishing all about time it? In NBA.
1: What's astonishing about it being a what if and like a kind of a forgotten area is that this team went to the finals. So it's not like they were just like it was a brief run of pre stardom, which in a sense it was, um especially with James Harden, but it's not like this team didn't have success. They went to the NBA finals with a core that was 22 and 23 years old, which is absurd. So if we look back on that team, the, the year I'm referring to is the 2011-2012 NBA season. The 2012 NBA Finals, where the Thunder played the Miami Heat. That is the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh, Miami Heat. Yep. That was their first ring. That was LeBron's first ring, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne Wade already had one. That was Chris Bosh's first ring. But Kevin Durant that year was 23 years old. Russell Westbrook was also 23 years old. James Harden and Serge Ibaka another two of their core players were 22 so one of the younger teams I think to make the finals I don't remember what the numbers were at the time they were running that all over the place
0: yeah but they were they were so young. one
1: of if not the youngest teams to have that kind of success yeah. and who they Which, beat
0: who'd they beat to get there
1: uh Spurs for sure uh who else did they beat
0: they beat to get there um I mean I, the fact that they beat the Spurs in the conference finals
1: was that the Was that the year that they were down two zero
0: and yep. The, yep. they won the next four games, uh-huh. beat the Spurs in six?
1: That was the fucking best.
0: Yep, just figured out what they need to do and that was unreal. Great poppers have no So answer.
1: I was born in the Seattle area and grew up following the Sonics, right up until post Kevin Durant's rookie season, where he won the Rookie of the Year. Uh, he the franchise, sorry, moved over to Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook was drafted in a Seattle SuperSonics jersey. You know that?
0: Yeah. I do yeah. know that. Yeah. At the
1: draft, he held up a, a Sonics jersey just, and he was smiling. And, yep.
0: But he never played a game there. <laughs> he did not. Yep.
1: One of the yep. largest regrets of of my yeah. uh, NBA fandom. Yeah. But,
0: but anyway, but this is like this is insane because this was the original version of tanking. No one called it tanking because they were just didn't know what the fuck they were doing before new management came in. But this is what the Sixers have been trying to do. This is what every team's trying to do, and this is what the Warriors ended up doing, except with not as high of picks mm-hmm. they went kevin durant second overall pick in the 2007 nba draft followed that up with russell westbrook and with a fourth pick in the 2008 draft in which everybody thought they drafted him way too high and then the next year they got james harden with the third overall pick mm-hmm. and then got serge Ibaka with a late round first round pick that yeah. is an insane draft run that if you can if you could draft like that in the nba now you. That's what happens. You, you. You go to the finals. That's what. That's what happens when you're able to do that. Put we, talent like that. We together. should do
1: an off-air like deep dive, some research into a better three-run span of top picks. Like, it's, it's hard because normally I, I don't think any team has ever done anything that's that prominent. The,
0: the thing is, like, I mean, the Warriors, the Warriors were very close with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. But the thing is, normally when you're drafting studs like that, you, your team gets better. Automatically. You don't you don't have the second pick, the fourth pick, and the third pick. Mm-hmm. Normally when you're drafting young studs like that, you, you you get better. You don't get as high a pick. But, you know, the way it worked out for them, it worked out perfectly. Yeah. In great draft years, they drafted the right players. And Unbelievable. A th- in a three-year span, they got three court, franchise corner pieces, three MVP candidates, two MVP winners, and one guy who's been an MVP runner-up twice in two years where... Yeah. In most years, he wins the MVP. Like that's an insane way to build your franchise. Was this all under Sam Presti? All under Sam Presti. Man, Just, he doesn't get enough credit. He, he doesn't. You know, it, it's He's hard. It's, it's hard to follow that up. Yeah. yeah. But um. So
1: this was all under Coach Scott Brooks. He was yep. running the squad at this point. He, I think, in this year actually won Coach of the Year, which later on would prove to be kind of controversial because he would be criticized in his tendency in, in building their offense to base it around isolation plays which isn't great team basketball but given the roster that they had it was pretty effective at least for this year where yeah, he, for sure. where he yeah. won coach of the year um but just just a, a little bit of a dive into the year that these players had not only were they top draft picks but they were proving themselves to be worthy of of such picks they in the 2011-12 season Kevin Durant was again 23 years old averaged 28-8 and 4 solid stat line this was this was his uh, mvp
0: year yeah they weren't all together during his MVP year. No? No. Okay. James Harden had already been traded.
1: Okay. Thanks for the fact check. Russell Westbrook, this was in his—I mean, he's never been incredibly efficient, but he—this uh, was during his uh, inefficient era. He was running at 24, 4.5, and 5.5. And and Insane. Also super solid. And James Harden was the sixth man of the year that year, coming off the bench at 17, 4, and 4. It's- So doing well for himself there. And there were several games I remember because I I, I followed this team pretty closely. Uh, I followed this team pretty closely that year because, uh, again, I was born in the Seattle area and followed this franchise as they moved around the country. Um, But there were several games that year where there were uh, 30-point performances by all three players in the same game. So several wins they had big wins against the Spurs, or otherwise, where each of the three players, uh, James Harden coming off the bench, put up 30 points. Where like over 100 points would be due to just these three players, and 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 that made them pretty exciting to watch, especially as a young core who made it to the finals. It was something that, at least me as a naive fan, without much of an NBA perspective, thought would carry through to the next you know four or five six years and bring us a couple of trophies. Uh, Never really came to fruition, did it?
0: Nope. What happened was the Thunder, fearing that classic mistake that most teams make, fearing that they would have to pay the luxury tracks between signing James Harden to a contract extension and Serge Ibaka to a contract extension, decided to trade away James Harden and keep Serge Ibaka because he fit their lineup better. They felt he fit their lineup better at the Mm -hmm. time, you know. James Harden was a sixth man coming off the bench. They thought Serge Bach was their starting power forward. He would be the guy they would go with um, for that third man role.
1: Yeah.
0: They ended up trading him to the Rockets for Kevin Martin, Toronto's 2013 first, Charlotte's 2013 second, and Dallas's 2012 first. This is in the, this is the year before the 2012-2013, 2011-2012 season started, or 2012-2013 started. Yep. Yeah. And this was, uh.
1: this actually ties back to the Lynn Sanity segment we did last week. James Harden was sent over a, right after Jeremy Lynn was sent signed. to the Rockets. He signed uh, that with same the summer.
0: Yeah, free agent, as a free agent. Yeah. Yep. And then the Thunder, obviously, the Thunder sent James Harden. They also sent Daquan Cook, Cole Aldrich, and Lazar Hayward. I didn't even know Lazar Hayward was a name in the NBA, but mm. you, th- you think about it, and it's, it's short sighted at the time. It's hard to say that, you know, you knew, Sir, you, knew you didn't know James Harden was going to become what he became. And maybe he doesn't become a superstar on the OKC roster. But choosing Serge Ibaka over James Harden, I, I, just, I just don't think it makes sense. You had James Harden who's averaging 17 points a game in a minimized role. That's mm-hmm. hard to come by. Yeah. And six, six, men, six men of the year aren't hard to come by. But a guy who's as efficient as he is, as good as he is in his role, is hard to come by. And then you think about all the times that people have made mistakes choosing fit over player. Greg Oden was picked by Portland over Kevin Durant, partly because Greg Oden was a stud, but yep. partly because they already had Brandon Roy and they didn't want to draft Kevin Durant. Yeah. They didn't want to take away ball time from Brandon Roy. I mean, some things injured.
1: are just purely unforeseeable.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I Portland, Tran- Portland Trail Blazers again don't draft Michael Jordan because they already have Clyde Drexler. Yeah.
1: I mean, again, it's some hard, things are yeah. just impossible to foresee. And, yeah. in, the, in the Kevin Durant case, Brandon Roy's knees gave out prematurely, and that was something yeah. that they had no idea. He was yeah. a great player.
0: But but still.
1: It's, it's every, defensible in the moment, many, but it, not post-moment.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, you, you think about it, and you go, wow, this makes sense. But it, like, I feel like five minutes later, you're like, holy shit, we just gave up James Harden for some future first-round draft picks that aren't even going to be that high, and that's about it. When we either could have paid the luxury tax and kept all of these guys, or gotten rid of Serge Ibaka in that case. Yeah. Um, so in the aftermath, it just doesn't. It doesn't look great.
1: It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And before we move on, I don't want to spend too much time with these guys. It was. <laughs> so for me, I, you. So I want to give credit where credit is due. You put together this segment. You yeah. built out this this retrospective. Little uh, for me. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, reminiscent piece, okay? Yep. This was glorious for me. I've never actually watched a team, and this is one of my most distinct feelings. I don't want to necessarily call it a memory as much as a feeling, but if the Thunder were down during this era, especially in the 2011-2012 season, if they were down by like 15-20 with like five, six minutes to play in the fourth, you know, at that point you've kind of given up on most teams. Yeah. I was not at all afraid. And they just, like, this young team, they had so much swagger. They had such a chip on their shoulder. They were like, we're here to play. We're here to show you that we're not just some young kids. That showed in the way they played, and that was felt by anybody who was watching that team with any kind of, anything at stake. And for me, there was, it felt like a lot at stake in just my pride and my my loyalty to this, this team. You never give up on them. It was absolutely unbelievable. You never knew when Kevin Durant, Could come down the floor and hit three or four threes in a row, or like a four point play from the corner. How many four point plays from the corner did you see from, especially Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in their like couple years in the playoffs? It was like the games they extended against the Mavericks, the the Spurs were insane. It was it was something I the Clippers too. The Clippers I I forget about those those series. That was when the Clippers were really making their run and looking good. They were so fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and the thing that Is amazing is that everyone was saying this team right here is going to win three or four titles Mm -hmm. with certainty.
1: It wasn't like in in the next, that wasn't a hot take. That was like,
0: duh. (laughs) In the next eight years. And it's very similar to what people are saying about the Warriors now, except the Warriors are wanting to pay the luxury tax. The Warriors aren't going to give away partially their team because they don't want to pay a lot of money. At least I hope so. But is that
1: that a little bit of the benefit of being in a larger market? Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely helps. Seattle was a mid range market.
0: Yeah. I mean, Seattle's, Seattle's a big. They're not, they're not L.A. or right. Golden State big, but they're, they're, they're a decent sized market. But it honestly, it just, it's insane how far, it, like, how much it parallels. It's insane how much it parallels kind of Tiger Woods' fall, where, you know, everything's coasting. He's definitely gonna, he's gonna win the most majors of any pro golfer by far, and then, you know, it just falls apart. It and with w- not one decision, but one ex- exposition where suddenly his life is falling apart. He can't play golf anymore. And this is just one decision by the OKC front office where they're like, we can't afford to pay this guy the money he wants to be paid one year from now. We're just going to break it up, and we think we'll be just as good of a team with the trade we got. And it's it's sad to see, and it's l- tough to look back on, but this will definitely be a future collector's item for the future. This team that was so young, who made it all the way to the NBA Finals, and was the poster child of how to, rebuild a franchise, watching them fall apart was... It's tough, but I definitely will want this poster in the future, for sure.
1: Absolutely. There are some great memes. Like, uh, remember the the mom made pizza rolls? And all three <laughs> yeah. of them are cheering, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yep. Great meme. And I think that maybe that move that you alluded to, that, that, that we referenced a few times, both last week and this week, in them dealing out tra- James Harden for a few picks, and uh, Kenny and Martin was... Really came back to bite him, and that might be part of why Sam Presti's legacy hasn't built up. I think the rep that he has largely deserved outside of that one decision. I think that's what's holding him back. That's the one kind of credit that uh, history can throw against him is that mistake.
0: Well, I think he hasn't won a title yet, and yeah. if he wins a title that year, there's no way he breaks up that team. There's no yeah. way he trades Jay Har- James Harden for yeah.
1: sure. And so uh, that's actually something I want to talk about just briefly. The Thunder lost that series in five games, four games to one. But it was closer than history kind of tells that story in, in, a, in a brief kind of how many games did you win, how many games did you lose. In game two in Miami, Miami was the number one seed they had home, home, uh, home court advantage. In the closing moments, the Thunder were down by two with like 12 seconds left. The Thunder run a pretty smart out-of-bounds play, and Kevin Durant drives baseline against LeBron James. He's a little bit caught off guard, kind of throws a forearm into Kevin Durant to slow him down. As he's going out for the shot, is pretty clearly fouled. So if you run back the tape, it's... I don't want to say objective, mostly only because it wasn't called, and I, I have a lot of respect for NBA refs. I think they get things right a pretty, a pretty impressive amount of the time. But in, this is one case where you could say that the call was missed. He goes up for a jump shot on the baseline, maybe 10, 12-footer to tie the game, something that's pretty routine for Kevin Durant, and the call is, is, is left as a no call. He misses the shot, albeit barely, given the contact. But LeBron James gets the rebound and goes on to ice the free throws. They win the game by four points. That's not to say that if he would have made the shot at, and, and gone to overtime that they would have won the game, but that was a momentum-swinging play that did not go their way, that could have played a much larger role in the series and is something that when Bill Simmons had Kevin Durant on his show this week, I don't know if you listened to that, it was it was fascinating to listen to Kevin Durant talk about uh, a lot of the NBA culture, but one of the things Bill brought up was kind of a, a looking back on your career what are some things that haunt you? Like, what if that foul had been called? What do you think would have happened? And Kevin Durant, credit to him, stood his ground and wasn't willing to say, you know, I think I was I was fouled on that play. I, you know, want another go. He stood by, as he did in the in the post game conference, saying, you know, the refs didn't call it, it wasn't a foul. The refs didn't call it. Like, I'm gonna stand by their call, uh, their say is final, which is a, a lot of respect on on that approach to the situation where a lot of guys I don't think wouldn't have the integrity to do that. But that was a play that looking back on that finals, even though it was four games to one, that would have sent it, had it gone their way, to a 1-1 heading into Oklahoma City. And then you feel very differently than you do going home in a 2-0 place where they win one of those games. And then they have, in, in that scenario, nothing else changed. They leave – home so they 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 leave their home court after four games in a 2-2 split where that's a very manageable rest of the way home they just have to win two of the next three one of which will be at home anyway not not to to run this too long but that finals is kind of written off as you know lebron's first ring and that was the big story there but they were much closer to that ring than i think people remember them
0: being all right that was uh said said plenty on that
1: yeah um, it was a fun time for me. I, yeah. I don't. I don't mean to run on, but yeah. I like to reminisce about that team. It was. It was a lot of fun to, fun to look for.
0: All right. So, just finishes off. Did the Thunder get more in return than teams this summer got? So they traded a superstar, a role player who became a superstar. Did they get more than the teams that had trades this year ago? And I think the only team that got a similar return, the only team that I think that got a better return for a superstar was Cleveland. They got Isaiah Thomas as we mentioned before, Jay Crowder, am um, a pick and Ante Zizic. I think that's the only trade that kind of equaled what the Thunder got and you know they got they got a decent return for a role player. They didn't get a decent return for the superstar that James Harden ended up becoming, but no one knew James Harden was going to become what he ended up becoming. Like no one knew he's going to be paid 200 million million by Adidas at the time.
1: So I want to I want to restructure that question in looking back on what was actually given and received in that trade, how would you compare it to the trades that we ranked earlier? Would you say that the amount to which Houston benefited would be above or below how we currently see the Timberwolves side of of their trade?
0: Um, If you're looking at it at the time, I'd say Houston is... Like currently, looking back on it. No, no, no. no, no. uh, If you're looking at it at the time, I'd say Houston falls below OKC in the rankings that I gave, which were Minnesota OKC trade, Brooklyn trade, Celtics trade, as far as getting better. If you're looking at it from a now perspective, Houston by far wins the trade. I think they're number one on my list. Getting a superstar for a few unbeknownst draft picks, um, who is basically second ballot or second place in the MVP running two years in a row, basically takes your team to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. While he does suck in the playoffs, he's getting you to the playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> um, is, is, is huge, and you, can, you, can't, you can't replicate that in any trade.
1: Yeah. Uh, that that said, it does seem to run more linearly to the Brooklyn trade in that they Houston at the time received what was kind of considered a role player who turned into a superstar or blossomed into a superstar, which are similar to the hopes that we have for D'Angelo Russell in that him showing up to Brooklyn and getting more time with the ball, more a higher usage rate, will blossom as a player.
0: I mean the thing is the LA's terrible. LA's been terrible the past couple of years. Yeah. So he's been getting a lot of time with the ball. I think he just needs more time to process everything. Yeah. Whereas James Harden's coming off a finals a NBA finals participant. Mm-hmm. Um so it's 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 not it's not even close to the same thing um as far as where these guys situationally are coming from but I think you can definitely make the comparison of what you're hoping they end up turning out to mm-hmm. be is about the same. Um for sure.
1: Yeah, if you want to prescribe to the D'Angelo Russell train, if you want to hop on that bandwagon, a lot of L.A. fans maybe, but especially hopeful Brooklyn fans are saying that this guy could be their savior going forward. He could, he could really blossom as James Harden kind of did in his move uh, and outshine what his expectations were. Anyway, we're going to move on from our beloved and treasured collector's items of the future and we want to say a quick farewell hey
0: yep this is a guy who had a great career in the league um very short-lived probably call it great is a little much and it's greg odin you know he he came into the league forever known as the guy who was drafted one pick ahead of Kevin Durant and with that he had a lot of pressure on him and basically his toe broke And Everything he did failed to live up to the expectations. He ended up averaging eight points a game six rebounds a game and one block a game and was most notable for being the guy picked up Kevin picked ahead of Kevin Durant and Probably the second moniker on him was the first guy to have a dick pic released on Google. <laughs> So, you know, when those are your two career headliners, it's tough. But A Pioneer. Pi- pioneer for getting, you know, getting nudes leaked out on the interweb. But yeah, he's no ru- longer
1: lonely on that list. But
0: Yes, and it's rough. But, you know, we all had hopes for Greg Oden, but unfortunately he decided to retire this year. And we're saying farewell to Greg Oden. I hope whatever you do after basketball um, is fruitful. And, you know, we're saying bon voyage to the career of... One Gregory Odin.
1: Yeah, a really unfortunate legacy. Did you just cue up SpongeBob?
0: I mean, it's was a, that was that? It's a song from SpongeBob.
1: All right. Um, that really is an unfortunate legacy that he's going to carry with him eternally. Now it'll end up in the updated book of basketball. Come on, Bill Simmons, we're waiting. Um, but uh, kind of similar to Sam Bowie. It's just yeah. really, in in hindsight, inexcusable. To be taken ahead of Kevin Durant, who is probably top twenty all the time, definitely going in the Hall of Fame, an outstanding player, outstanding scorer. And uh, we're sorry, we'll it, miss you.
0: It's hard. We're gonna miss. Yeah. We're gonna miss the dreams we had of what you were going to be.
1: Yeah, left-handed free throws when the game's on the line,
0: stuff like that, and stuff like that, just cra- crazy stuff that no one else would do. Yeah.
1: I remember you fondly, as does Tristan Newman and other educated basketball fans, but unfortunately, your legacy is tainted. All right. And with that, anybody else you want to thank?
0: Uh, no one else. We really need to thank. Um,
1: I I want to I want to thank uh, Chick Fil A one more time. I think you said it well, but I just just double up on that. Chick Fil A is is a wonderful restaurant. I do wish that they were open on Sundays, and so especially do the Atlanta Falcons. Do you hear this? Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. They've got a booth in the Atlanta Falcons Stadium. What's their stadium?
0: I don't remember. Mercedes Benz Part Two. (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They've got a they've got a uh, a booth in their stadium, which is absolutely brilliant. Except for the fact that they're not open on Sunday, so there's only one home game this entire season where Chick Fil A will be open. It is devastatingly unfortunate. Anyway, thank you Chick Fil A, and thank you to all of our fans, all our listeners out there. We've had a ton of fun. It's Friday in the studio, and with that, have a good weekend.
0: Have a great weekend, y'all.
1: I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a 6 foot father. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo. She could she don't
0: know me, but yo.